Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... cities, the dusty towns, and the languid villages of America. A gentle spirit, a kindly spirit. And why not? It happens to be the spirit of the kindest and most gentle of all the great American writers, William Sidney Porter. You know him better as O. Henry. Why he called himself O. Henry must remain a mystery. What compelled him to write constantly, steadily, day and night, almost without rest, must also remain a mystery. Indeed, though his life seems to be an open book, he must be considered one of the most mysterious figures in our literature. Which means he has a home here on Mystery Theater. Oh, my beloved, querido, you have come back to me. Senorita, you've got me confused with someone else. Have I? But you have blonde hair. Millions of men have blonde hair. Tell your brother not to point that gun at me. Oh, does it matter? You're handsome enough. But, Senorita... And one man is... Very much like another. Well, just explain to your brother and his men... Oh, it would be too complicated. It would be more simple if we married. Our mystery drama, Two Renegades, was especially adapted from the O. Henry classic for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Robert Dryden and Ralph Bell. It is sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division and Exlax. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Never give a sucker an even break seems to be the motto of today's get-rich-quick fraternity. However, one of the great experts in this field, O'Henry believed that in order to handle a sucker properly and profitably, he must be given all the breaks he could reasonably expect. O. Henry created a never-to-be-forgotten band of absolutely delightful flim-flam artists, bunco spielers, and con men who took your money with such style and grace it was almost an honor to be a victim. For instance, there was Bernard O'Keefe. How to describe Bernard O'Keefe? Well... Why not let the master himself, O'Henry, describe Bernard? How to describe Bernard O'Keefe? Well, my friends, dramatically is perhaps the best way. So, picture, if you will, a buckboard drawn by a smart-stepping mare, carrying within it a handsome young man, a pale, frightened, but beautiful young woman. Oh, she's a peach, especially the way she clings to his arm. They stop at a prosperous-looking farmhouse. She's too shy to talk, but the young man, oh, the words pour forth like a fountain as soon as he sees the farmer. Sir, sir, please tell me, 
How far is it to the nearest preacher? The uh, nearest preacher? Oh, 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 oh please, uh, sir. We we haven't a moment to lose. Yes, Bill Reverend Barksdale with his own. Hey, isn't there one around here? Uh, the preacher and I know Reverend Abel's four miles over to Canny Creek. Oh, uh, my darling. That can't be your father after us so soon. Jinx, that fellow riding up hell bent for election. He's just on black. There ain't a preacher right now. Flag him down. Oh, 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 oh down there, Reverend. Oh, oh, oh. Reverend, oh. Reverend, you, 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 you are a Reverend, aren't you? Well, son, it transpires that I am the Reverend Abijah Green, traveling to the little Bethel schoolhouse for the preacher next Sunday. Amen, Reverend. We must be married at once. Uh, 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 indeed, uh, you must. Oh, oh, no, Reverend. It's nothing like that. But her pa won't hear about it, and he's got the plow mules hitched up to the buckboard, and he can't be too far behind. Will you marry us? Well, I'm not sure it's the... Oh, uh... please, Reverend. This young lady and I, we're very much in love. Well, I suppose we could ask this older, more experienced gentleman here, this farmer, if we could use his property for the ceremony. And so, they're married. In the farmer's parlor. The farmer grins, breaks out a jug of cider. Farmer's wife sniffles a bit, pats the blushing bride on the shoulder, and that's it. No, no, wait. I forgot one little detail. The Reverend Abijah Green writes out the wedding certificate. Uh, Folks, we have a tiny legal detail. I have to sign the marriage certificate according to the powers vested in me by the sovereign state of Arkansas, and uh, I require two witnesses. Uh, sir, would you and your wife legalize the marital status of this uh, happy young couple? Well, I'd hold that in honor. Uh, tell me, take your pen in hand. Uh, right there, ma'am. That's it. And uh, right uh, here, sir. Uh, uh. Ah, yes. That's in order. Son, you want some good advice? You just begin by showing her who's the boss. Oh, Reverend, and, and you, sir, and your lovely wife. How can my bride and I thank you for your loving kindness? Well, I shall write curtain to that scene because if it goes on much longer, you'll all dissolve in tears of joy. And you shouldn't. Because it's a fake. Yes, friends, a fake. It's what's known as the I love you truly grift. The young man was Mr. Parleyvoo Pickens. The bashful bride, Miss Sarah Malloy. And they are confederates of Mr. Bernard O'Keefe, who plays the Reverend Abijah Green. And he marries them at least 20 times a month. But why? What's the swindle? The money? Oh, well, you see, Bernard O'Keefe takes those marriage certificates and discounts them at various banks. You ask, how can you discount a marriage certificate? Well, those beautifully inscribed documents weren't really marriage certificates. They were promissory notes. And when all the farmers and their wives discovered they were liable for two or three or four hundred dollars, <laughs> doesn't it prove that you should always examine what you sign? However, uh, all this is merely to acquaint you with our hero, Bernard O'Keefe. So then, imagine my surprise one day when I happened to be in the gate city of the South where the old Confederate veterans were once again united to march beneath the beloved flags of the old lost cause, and I happened to see a familiar face. 
A face that was so out of place that before I was even aware of what I was doing, I had rushed forth into the heart of the parade and dragged him to the sidewalk. Bernardo King! Hey, hey, in the flesh. Uh, now, uh, sir, please explain your violent Explain, explain. I'm to explain. What? <laughs> Why, it's the wretch. The ink-stained wretch of the fourth estate. <laughs> Barney O'Keefe, northerner born and northerner bred. What are you doing here, a-yipping and hallowing for the stars and bars? Why, sir, this is my own, my native land. Barney O'Keefe. You're talking to me. What are you selling, snake oil? No, sir. Hair restorer? Why do you always look at me and think the worst? Because the worst is absolutely the best I can give you. Now, what are you up to here? Well, I would tell you and tell it gladly, uh, if my throat were not so dry. Oh, well, by a happy coincidence, I believe I spy an oasis of liquid refreshment just up the street, Mr. O'Keefe. In that case, sir, lead and I follow. Now, Bernard, why were you marching in the ranks of the Confederate veterans? Because, my lad, the Confederate States of America did, in its might and power, interpose to protect and defend Bernard O'Keefe. It what? Against immediate and lethal assassination at the hands of a bloodthirsty foreign power. After my own United States of America had disregarded my appeal for life, liberty, and habeas corpus. Yeah, but Barney, the Confederate States of America is no longer a going concern. Is that a fact? It's actually been out of existence for almost 40 years. And you, Barney O'Keefe, can hardly be more than 35. So, therefore, when was it that the deceased government you referred to exerted its influence in your behalf? Uh, four months ago. Four months ago. Yes, I am eternally grateful to the Confederate States of America. If it hadn't been for that war, I'd be breathing today with souls so dead. Barney, is there a story in all this? No, but I'll give you the facts. You know, I went down to Panama last year. Yeah, that's where they're going to build that canal. That's what I thought. And since it seemed like a place where a lot of money would be changing hands, uh, but they're never going to build that canal. The idea of the things keeps... Teddy Roosevelt bellowing like a bull, but you you can't build a canal in the Panama. Why not? Well, the mosquitoes. They got mosquitoes there the size of chicken hawks. And if the mosquitoes don't carry off, the Chagras fever will. The what? Well, I better not repeat it. It's so contagious, I believe you can contract it merely by hearing the name. Well, anyway, the day I got there, I caught it. And as I lay dying in this little town called San Juan on the coast, I finally got the doctor the only doctor in Miles to come see me. Doc Mellican was his name, and the sight of him could give a man a relapse. He had the bedside manner of a Comanche medicine man. And when he put his hand on your forehead, you felt like Captain John Smith just before Pocahontas brought the reprieve. Well, this old medical outrage takes one look at me and bellows, You're a damn Yankee, ain't you? Uh, yes. I'm from the North, and I... I'm accustomed to first-class doctor, and I hope my condition ain't beyond your skill, Doc. No, you was a blame Yankee minute I laid eyes on you. I can smell a Yankee. Now, don't reopen the chasm, Doc. As far as I'm concerned, we're all human beings, even southerners. Which prompts me to ask, uh, what are you doing so far south of the Mason-Dixon line? I ain't going back till the capital's reestablished in Richmond, Virginia. And even that's a bit north for me. 
You may be here a long time, Doc. And you'll be here forever, Yank. Less than you take one of these powders every two hours. Oh, will they cure me? They cure some, they kill some. You have to wait and see. What kind of Yankee bunco scheme have you brought down here with you, eh? Well, Doc, uh, as you uh, may know, uh, two gentlemen, the Wright brothers, invented a heavier-than-air machine that flies. They were southern boys, I hear. Uh, well, in any event, I decided to come down here and uh, sell airship lanes. Airship lanes? Ah, uh, yes, sir. I bought him up. I have these stock certificates and all. Now, here's a chance to get in on the ground floor. You own the rights to the airspace above the ground. Now, how many lanes shall I put you down for? Yank. Yank, is that a way to talk to a man that's going to save your life? Well, Doc, I'm only trying to make you rich. Look, for $15, you get absolutely unimpeachable rights to 50 miles of airspace. Yours and yours alone to have and to hold. Why, you thieving, cheating Yankee. Everybody knows the air's free. How can you cut it up into lanes? Fifty dollars, Doc. A finer bargain don't exist. It's a chance of a lifetime. You low-class, no-account northerner. The air belongs to everybody. A dollar a mile. How can you beat the price? And a 50-mile lane for only $50. You ought to be horsewhipped first and then taken out and shot. Now, Doc, because it's you and you saved my life, I tell you what I'm prepared to do. For you and you alone. A special bargain price. Two air lanes for $50. Well, now you're talking. And that's Doc Mulligan. Don't lose sight of him. We'll meet him later. We're going to need him later. Anyhow, those powders sure pulled me through. There I was, walking along the streets of San Juan, trying to get rid of my airship lanes, when suddenly... Two soft arms seized me in a fond embrace. Two luscious red lips sought mine in a passionate kiss. Two flashing black eyes lit up my own. Querido, querido. Senorita, I don't believe I've had the honor of... Querido, you have forgotten. You have forgotten your own Rosalia. Oh, well, I... Uh... It's me, Rosalia. You've come back to me. Uh, I'm sure there must be some mistake. Oh, I must tell my brother. Your, your brother? El Tigre, the tiger. He is the one who said you would leave me and return to your own country. He is the one who said you would desert me, betray me. I... And so he has been hunting you everywhere. Hunting me? He has sworn to kill you for this insult to our family name. Well, why? How, how could oh, I... There he is! No, Tigre, don't shoot! If it's all the same to you, miss, I, I think I'd better be going. So, I have found you at last. Say your prayers, betrayal, seduce. No, no, he has come back to me. He has? Yes. Tell him you have come back to me, querido. But, but I say, senorita... Tell him! Let me hear it from your own mouth. The, the revolver... It but... has six bullets. I have six more in the other revolver. And a hundred more in my belt. Every one of them is for you, if you betray my sister. Tell him you've come back. I've come back. Good. You will dine with us tonight. Or, uh, I, I had this important engagement, you see. Be at the agenda at six. I, 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 six, yes, sir, yes. I now have business. Well, don't let me keep you by all means. I eh? do not trust this one, Rosalia. He will try to run away again. Oh, no. He loves me. But this time he will be watched. You see, the end of the street, that is Syriaco. And they cross the street, Tzadakayit. Both have orders to shoot you down. 
If you try to run away again, he'll see. Tell sick. Now, uh, Rosat. Is that your name, Rosal? You mean you have forgotten my name already? Oh, now, now look, senorita, there's been a mistake. I am not who you think I am. Oh, you... You are not blonde? Oh, no, ma'am, I am not blonde. But your hair is blonde. Yes, that's true, but I, I'm not this particular person you think I am. Oh, now that I look at you very closely, I... I believe I can see that this is so. Ah, you made a mistake, eh? I was so sure. Yeah, well, you see, now it's a mistake, eh? Huh? Yes. Then, uh, well, let's tell your brother this El uh, Tigre. Oh, oh, we could never do that. He would never believe me. What do you mean? But if you say that I am not... Oh, no, no. He's convinced you are Blondie, the North American who promised to marry me. But I'm and not... And once he gets an idea into his head... Yeah, well, all you have to do is just... No, no, to... no. It would be too complicated... And even if you're not my blondie, you look enough like him. And after a while, will it matter? Will it matter? What a philosophy. It seems that anybody can fall in love with anybody. Well, what is it? A super confidence game? A sour hustler about to be out-hustled? In an O. Henry story, you never know. Certainly you don't know in the first act. We'll lead you a little further down the path in Act Two in just a few moments. I guess I'm lucky. My family's always been healthy. Oh, a touch of constipation now and then. But we've got X-Lax for that. When you need a laxative, shouldn't your first choice be the one more families buy than any other? That's today's X-Lax. Families like the chocolatey taste. You'll like the way X-Lax works gently overnight for relief in the morning. Next time, make gentle chocolatey X-Lax your first choice for occasional use only as directed. We've always been healthy, and X-Lax is part of that. telling us one of his favorite stories. And wouldn't you know, there's a woman in it to carry it forward, to give it character, suspense. A beautiful, dark-eyed lady named Rosalia, a hot-tempered brother named El Tigre, with two hair-trigger pistols, and Bernard O'Keefe, who can usually get out of almost any scrape, except this time he's not on his home grounds. Let's get him in just a little bit deeper. Amigos, I propose a toast to Blondie. Oh, Blondie. Hey, hey, Blondie, I know you are most anxious to marry Rosalia. Well, I... But love must wait. It must? Oh, oh, sure it must. Tigre, why must love wait? Because it is time Blondie and I discuss business. What kind of business? Business, business. Before all this love business got into everyone's way. Now, you will all leave the room. Londia and I must talk business, business. But Tigre... Silencio. There will be time for love business later. Now, Blondie, first, you must forgive me. Forgive you? Yes, forgive me. I had believed you had betrayed the cause. Was that a fact? The cause? The holy cause. But you are here. You have not gone over to the government. 
Oh, well, I... It uh... was said you had joined forces with the tyrant. The tyrant? General Pomposo. Oh, I, I would never... Uh, now, you are willing to give your life's blood for justice. Oh, it's the least anyone can do. And you shall not rest until I liberate the people and become Presidente and Supreme Dictator. Oh, that's a difficult job. Are, are you sure you want all that responsibility? I have the rifles. The rifles? The Krag Jorgens rifles, as you advise. You remember? Oh, oh, yeah, yes, I, I remember. One does not shoot up the presidential palace the way one shoots up a saloon. Yes, I suppose so. You suppose so? It was you who told me. Oh, oh, then that, that, that's right. It was you who said, El Tigre. The difference between a Presidente and the Grand Chief is that the Presidente has an army. Not a rabble of ragtag cutthroats, but a well-trained, disciplined army of cutthroats. You recall? Oh, I, I, I... And you said, hey, Tigre, I will be commander of the army. This army shall place you high on the throne in the presidential palace. You recall? Oh, I, I, well, well, and I... so... I have bought the rifles for my army. Oh. And the money, hmm? Where came the money for the 100 Kragoffels and rifles? I'm afraid to ask. It was your money. My money? It was the money for Osadia's dowry. I have used it to buy you an army. Well, gosh, uh, thanks. You get an army, and I, I get a government. You see how both of us profit? Oh, sure. And therefore, you shall teach my men to behave like an army. You want me? Are you not the finest soldier in the world? Is not this what, uh, what you have told me when I gave you the 50,000 pesos to... Oh, 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 now, now I see. Ah, <laughs> and so now, you are the commanding general of El Tigre's invincible army. Tomorrow morning, we begin to train the army. Blondie. Blondie. about another blondie, a blondie who, as far as I can figure, sold your brother a bill of goods that he could train troops, collected his salary, and skipped town. Does it matter? Well, of course it matters. I am not that blondie. But you are handsomer than that blondie. So it is my game. Yeah, but I don't know the first thing about training soldiers. Oh, that is my brother's loss. Oh, it's his loss, but he'll find out and he'll shoot me. Well, then you must see to it that he never finds out. Uh, Rosalia... Don't you understand? You, I understand that a golden moon shines in a sky filled with diamond stars. The nightingale sings softly in the sweet-smelling trees. And we stand here and talk, talk, talk. Morning, Dr. Milligan. Oh, the egg. 
Well, when's the first airship going to come by to pay me for crossing my airspace? Huh? Any day now. What's holding them back? Well, uh, you see, Doc, uh, they got to build them first. You mean they ain't none in operation now? Well, didn't I tell you you were getting in on the ground floor? <laughs> Looks more like I got in at the cellar. You know, Doc, just looking at you, uh, I can't help thinking what a splendid soldier you must have been. What's this going to cost me? Oh, now, how can you say such a thing? All I want to know is... Uh, yes? How the South trained its magnificent army. You do? Yes. Would you tell me, Doctor? Now, you'd have your men out there on the field. What was the uh, first thing you'd say to them? The very first thing? Well, I'd stride out there just as calm. And I'd stand there without a word for a full minute. And then suddenly... All in! Jump to it! Move, you half-witted ornery lame-brain! Move! When I say fall in, I don't mean it's your convenience. When you're good and ready, but now! Right now! Quicker than lightning! Look alive! Heads up! Belly's in! Chest out! Hop, two, three, four! Hop, two, three! Oh, Blondie, El Tigre is so happy. Yes, I'll bet he is. Oh, soon the army will march against the presidential palace. March against the presidential palace. With you leading the way. With me leading the way. Oh, my hero. With me leading the way. Do you realize I could be a dead hero? Oh, well, then I would cherish your memory forever. I would wear black the rest of my life. I look very beautiful in black. But, Rosanja, somebody ought to tell you... Oh, right. my beloved. See how the golden moon shines in. In a sky filled with diamond stars, I know, I know. The nightingale sings The nightingale sings in the sweet-smelling trees, yes. And we stand here and talk, talk, talk. We shall talk tomorrow... After dawn, General Blonde. Oh, we did. We what? Attack. Attack. The army is ready. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Ah, yes, you do not know these men as I know them. Oh, yes, but How yes. splendidly you have trained Well, that's them. because nobody's been shooting at them. But that is of little account. Each man is ready and willing to die for liberty and justice. But... For uh, freedom, democracy, and truth. Still... One must know when to seize the moment. When to cast the die. However... You shall lead the invincible forces of the liberator, El Tigre, to victory. I'm only suggesting... The men, inspired by your gallant leadership, shall make this the most glorious day in the history of our nation. General Blondie, is the Harvey Horn present and accounted for? In a manner of speaking, yes, it is. Then, General, lead your men forward to victory or death. Lead them forward? Chiraco, Salakain, see that you stay near our beloved general at all times. Uh, 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 while I'm leading the men forward, El Tigre, uh, may I ask a small question? Ah, but ask. While I'm leading, where are you going to be? Oh, I shall be in the rear. In the rear? See, I have two very good reasons. Oh, you have? First, 
how can I make a triumphal entrance into the town after you capture the palace unless I come from the rear? <laughs> and second, if I am in the front, I could be killed. And then there would be no point to the revolution. Oh, no. However, no one will be killed. When they see us coming, they will throw away their guns and run for their lives. And now, you must go forward. At the head of your men. Go, my friend. Into history. And so the army, with the General Blondie at the head, marched bravely up from the beach through the streets of San Juan where the people blew kisses and threw flowers at us. And I thought to myself, maybe it won't be so bad after all. We'll carry off this little caper yet. And then as we marched up the long, broad, green lawn of the presidential palace, I heard it. And when you hear it for the very first time, it freezes the blood in your veins. It congeals the marrow in your bones. It was a mortar shell. Charge! I bellowed at the top of my lungs. I drew my sword and I turned to inspire my men. But when I turned, I saw I didn't have any men. Where a few seconds ago there were a hundred marching soldiers behind me, now they'd all disappeared. I was alone suddenly. And I saw men, hundreds of them, not behind me, but in front of me. They had rifles with bayonets pointing at me and they didn't look at all scared. They were out for blood. And there was no one there but me. no one there but me. Ah, yes. That should be the title of the song of the Patsy. That is, if some composer should get around to writing it. Yes, indeed. Let's all get together and fight. And when it comes down to the bare knuckles, guess who's the only one to show up? Well, I'll show up with Act Three shortly. Nothing, said a famous general, except a battle lost can be half so melancholy as a battle won. On the other hand, we have battles that were neither lost nor won. They were never fought. A victim of such is our friend Bernard O'Keefe, who is relating these and sundry sad details to his faithful chronicler, O. Henry. And so do I understand, Bernard, that at the first whiff of villainous saltpeter, your brave army simply... Melted away? Melted. Those cowardly scoundrels dissolved, evaporated, leaving you, as it were, alone to face the foe. That's as naked a statement of truth as I ever heard. Then what happened? Well, sir, violent hands were laid on me. I was dragged to the presidential palace in order to be tried by the supreme dictator, General Pomposo himself. And you were given a trial. They sent for someone who could speak English. Turned out he was an American named Jenkins. And the trial was on. Old Pomposo, who must have weighed 300 pounds, bald-headed, beady-eyed, with a fierce black mustache, glares at me and says, Uh, the general asked you, Como se llama? Uh, you must know your name. Oh, uh, well, tell him it's Bernardo O'Keefe. Se llama Bernardo O'Keefe. Oh, by the way, he also said, Tirare, en tres semanas. Yeah, well, what does that mean? You got to back up against the old Adobe partner. I mean, three weeks, I believe you got. A friend, would you mind translate that again with footnotes and a glossary? 
I don't know whether I'm being discharged, condemned, or handed over to the Watch and Warn Society. Well, you don't understand. I'll explain. Would you please? It'll be stood up against the wall and shot in uh, two or three weeks. Uh, three, I think he said. Yeah. Would you mind asking for me uh, which... Well, it don't make an awful lot of difference, does it? Yeah, well, I admit a week doesn't amount to too much after you're dead, but uh, it does seem a real nice long spell while you're alive. Now, look, i tell you what I want to do. Uh, you uh, get me the U.S. consul as fast as lightning. Uh, what for? What for? You heard the man say I'd be shot in two weeks. Well, it might have been three. Should I ask him again? Not on your tin side. You get the consul, will you? Now, look, what do you want to bother the State Department over all this for? Well, you get Uncle Sam on that cable. You ask him to send down the USS Kentucky, followed by the Oregon and the Brooklyn. That'll be about enough battleships. We could also use a couple of cruisers, some torpedo boats. Hey, look, what are you standing there for? Go get the consul. See, I can't go get him. Why? Because he's here. I'm the U.S. consul. You... He... You a threadbare down at the heel specimen like you. You're a, a member of the State Department? And what were you expecting? Elihu Root, John Jay or something? The fact is, the United States cannot interfere in this. What do you mean the U.S. can't interfere? What's the U.S. for except to protect the rights of its citizens? fact is, you were caught insurgent against the government. You're subject to the laws of this country. Yes, but I'm an American citizen. Well, you is and you ain't. That's an interesting legal point. What is? You enlisted in and served in the foreign army. What army? Well, you were captured at the head of troops. Troops? You call those circus clowns troops? And when you do that, it's possible you forfeit all claims to American citizenship. Now, 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 look here. I voted the Republican ticket all my life. And you then claim to be a patriotic American citizen? Absolutely. Well, behave like one, then. Don't embarrass the United States. What do you mean, don't embarrass We you? can't afford to antagonize these foreign countries. It's bad foreign policy. So for the good of your country's foreign relations, just do the decent thing and don't kick up a fuss. You mean you're going to stand by and let them shoot me? Wait. What are you looking at? Oh, uh, your clothes. My clothes? Well, the government back home says I can take them after you're dead. If they fit me. There's part payment of my salary. Hey, look, you gotta do something. You gotta. You got any folks you want me to notify? I'll write and tell them you died bravely. That is, uh, if you got the money for a stamp. locked me up in what I can only describe as a brick bakery. The temperature was just about the kind mentioned in those recipes that call for a quick oven. The door was of heavy iron. There were steel bars on the window. The walls and the floor were solid rock. The sentries were big and tough and mean looking. Well, I had 14 days of life left. And then 13. And then 12. And nothing, nothing was in sight that could save me. And then one day... I had a visitor. Hello, Yank. Getting yourself a little taste of Johnson's Island now, ain't you? Hey, Doc. Doc, it looks bad. The U.S. of A. has done gone off and left you, ain't you? Hey, Doc, can't you suspend hostilities long enough to do something for me? Well, now, Yank, there's nothing to it. Nothing to what? Getting out of this particular scrape. Have you got money? Me? I got $2.50, and it's in Mexican coins. Yank, I got a good notion to help you. You, you do? Man can't do it alone. 
He needs the influence and power of the government behind him. Yeah, but my government won't lift a finger. I wasn't talking about your government. I'm talking about mine. Which government's that? The only government in the world that can get you out of this difficulty. The grandest nation that ever existed. The Confederate States of America. But, Doc, the Confederacy ain't a nation. It ain't. It's been dead 40 years. That's a lie. She's running along as solid as the Roman Empire. She's the only hope you got. Now, being a Yank, you gotta go through some preliminary obsequies before you can get official aid. You gotta take the oath of allegiance to the Confederacy. Then I guarantee she'll do all she can for you. What do you say, Yank? It's your last chance. Well, why not, Doc? I always did like corn, whiskey, and possum. In that case, repeat after me. I, Bernard O'Keefe... I, Bernard O'Keefe... Being of sound body, but a Republican mind, do hereby transfer my fealty, loyalty, respect, and allegiance to the Confederate States of America. I repeated those words after the doc, and he went away with a smile on his face. The next day came and went... And the day after, and the day after, I was that much closer to the adobe wall, the blindfold, the cigarette. I was starting to get the jitters, all kinds of crazy dreams at night. And the days, how soon there was but five days left. Ah, Doc. Hello, son. Well, Doc? Well, what? Any Confederate ironclads in the offing? You hear the sounds of Jeb Stewart's cavalry or Stonewall Jackson sneaking up the rear? It's too soon for help to come yet. There's been no answer received yet. No answer, huh? I'm waiting to hear. You're waiting to hear. Doc, I don't mean any disrespect, but I get the feeling my chances of being pulled out of here greatly weakened when Robert E. Lee surrendered. The Confederacy is the only chance you got. And I just come by to report that the proper channels are performing at top efficiency. Now, what does that mean, Doc? What does that mean? To which he smiled and winked and walked out. Was he playing with me? Taunting me? Why would he do that? Well, why wouldn't he? In the midst of this reverie, which was doing nothing for my morale, another visitor came by. Blondie. Rosalia, listen. Look at me. Look at you. I'm in black. All in black. Do I not look beautiful? I will wear black the rest of my life, as I promised. Listen, Rosalia, isn't there anybody you you can... Oh, my poor Blondie. Such love, such passion. It would soon burn itself out in any case. Better this way. Better what way? Before you have time to grow tired of me and abandon me. Yeah, I, I would never abandon oh, why you. Why do we talk, Blondie? This is the last time, querido. See? How a golden moon shines in a sky filled oh, with diamond stars. Rosalia. Must we stand here and talk? Talk! Talk! Finally, there were just two days left. One, really, because on the next, I was to be shot. Shot? I never really believed it could happen, not to me. 
All that day I waited and waited. No one came. And nothing happened. And then I knew it was all over. The fateful day finally dawned. I heard a key inserted in the door. I saw them. A squad of soldiers with nice, shiny Enfield rifles. The sergeant nodded at me. I got up and followed him out of the cell. He placed me against the adobe wall of the yard. And the soldiers, seven of them, leveled their rifles at me. The sergeant raised his sword. And I knew when he would bring it down, I would be dead. Nothing could save me. When suddenly... Hold it. Hold it right there. Here. Here you are, Sergeant. This document signed by General Pomposo. This man has been reprieved. Son, you're a free man. You mean... You mean I'm saved? I'm saved, saved? Yes, yes, you're saved. Now, come along. We have to go for a walk. Say goodbye to the Sergeant. Goodbye, Sergeant. Uh, gentlemen. Oh, Doc. Doc, how can I thank you? It ain't me you should thank. It's the Confederate States of America. I vow to drink to the stars and bars for the rest of my life. And to sing Dixie. And to sing Dixie. Look there. At the dock, a banana steamer loaded and ready to sail in half an hour. Oh, I see her, Doc. The Confederacy has booked your passage beyond her. I sure will, Doc. But tell me, where were the rescuing troops... If there was gunfire or a shell burst, I didn't hear it. The delicate negotiations between the two countries was carried on by the purser of that banana boat. $12,000 was paid to the officials in bribes to procure your release. $12,000? Like I said, from President Pomposo down to the sergeant of the firing party. But $12,000, where, where did the money come from? Yazoo City. I got a little bit saved there. You mean you spent your own money? Well, it's no use to me. Oh, Doc. Oh, Doc, what a great man you are. To spend $12,000 on a stranger? I sure they must have been your life savings. That's what life savings are for, Yank. To save somebody's life. And now you better get on that steamer. Oh, no, no, Doc. I'm changing my ways. I have seen the light. I'll stay with you and help heal the sick and comfort the poor. You do no such thing. Sooner or later, the Presidente is going to find out it's Confederate money. Confederate money? Every dollar of it. You better be out to sea when the realization strikes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you good... Goodbye, Doc, you old rebel, you. Goodbye, Yank. <laughs> Better not miss your steamer. Hey, hey, do we have time to sing one chorus of Dixie? I'll take the harmony. And this, word for word, is the story that Bernard O'Keefe told Mr. William Sidney Porter, better known as O. Henry. Is it true? Well, why not? What is money, anyhow? Pretty colored pieces of paper, shiny disks of metal. It's all in the mind, right? I shall be back shortly. And what is the moral of our story? It's as O. Henry himself said. You can't appreciate home till you've left it. Money till you've spent it. Your wife till she's joined a woman's club. Or old glory 
till you've seen it hanging on a broomstick in the shanty of a consul in some raggedy foreign town. However, you can appreciate us seven times each week. Our cast included Robert Dryden, Ralph Bell, Bryna Rayburn, Leon Janney, and Ian Martin. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. A bird. Is that better? Oh, yes. Because even if you do look like a bird, it doesn't mean you have to look like a chicken. Well, you could also look like an eagle. An eagle? Would you like to look like an eagle? Well, it's better than looking like a chicken. But if you do what I tell you, you're going to remind people of an eagle. A mighty eagle that soars above the mundane concerns of the earth. An eagle, the ruler of the skies and all he surveys. An eagle, the loftiest work of the creator. Oh, what do I have to do? Oh, it's very simple. You must never take another drink of that cheap, terrible... Oh, no, oh, no, no. Percy, you think you might be able to convince him? Uh-huh. All, all, all right. I'm convinced. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Exlax and Buick Motor Division. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. <laughs>